0: All right, you guys, please sit back, relax, and grab your popcorn because we're going to be right back after this very brief word from our sponsor with our special guest. All right, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Melindy over on Rumble says, please do a show or a topic uh, about Ammon Bundy running for governor in Idaho. The family are true American legends. Well, it should be, uh, uh, I guess, your lucky day because I did do a show with Ammon Bundy, and uh, he definitely talked about his race For the governor of Idaho, definitely check it out. Just go through the uh, list of my shows over on Rumble. And uh, thank you once again to everybody who's on screen with me right now. I have uh, a couple of different people uh, who have never actually been on the show before, but these are both two incredible patriots, uh, esteemed colleagues of mine that I have wanted to do uh, some work with here for a very long time. First of all, Craig from Informed Talk. Craig, how are you, buddy? I was just told that the Zoom audio was muted for the people at home. Can you guys verify for me that you can hear the guests now? Can you – somebody say something, say anything, and let's see if it's working. Blah,
1: blah, 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 <laughs> blah, blah, blah. blah, blah. <laughs> hey, you're muted, by the way. <laughs> I
2: think, I gather you figured that. I
3: don't think okay. I'm muted, but hey. I'm, I'm not muted. Am I? I can hear myself.
2: Can you hear okay. me? No, no, you guys were all muted. It was a setting through the – Yeah, the thing. Exactly. yeah gotcha. I think
0: that – um Okay. So, <laughs> I think it should be working by now, but, um, you know, there's always that, like, 30-second delay. Now they can hear you. Okay, cool. Great. Well, let me just say that everyone is happy to be here. I'm happy to have you, and uh, I'm glad that we were able to work through that uh, slight technical difficulty. Chris, I'd like to start with you because I know that uh, you don't have a lot of time tonight, and obviously, as a lead counsel, there's only so much you can say, but... Uh, I'm just wondering if you can uh, maybe just give us kind of a, an overview of the case up until this point. We just had uh, a hearing that was held in I believe the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals this past week. Uh, I covered it here on the program, but uh, you know, it'd be great to hear it from the horse's mouth. What can you say?
4: Sure. So the case started as a result of the massive deplatforming of October 2020, which was in the days leading up to the election. And there was a, of course a lot of deplatforming and shadow banning and the like going on in 2020. And we started to see that and put together a case to challenge the censorship that was happening in this case on Google and YouTube. What was so interesting about our particular case is that Congress actually passed a resolution, H.R. 1154, on October 2nd, basically telling social media, the FBI and the like, that they didn't like certain speech. They called out conspiracy theories, they called out QAnon, and we all know they, they talked about raising authority, authoritative information. And we all now know that all of that is code for speech we don't like mm-hmm. and we don't want people to hear. And so immediate, almost immediately after Congress passed that resolution, um, many conservative uh, uh, social media uh, bloggers and commentators and journalists were deplatformed all at once on October 15th. 17 of those are plaintiffs in this case. Collectively, they accounted for almost 800 million views and over 15,000 videos, more data, more media than the mainstream media channels. But they were all taken down and they weren't even given a notice by YouTube. YouTube violated its own reach of its own uh, terms of service and didn't even give them notice or give them an opportunity to, to retrieve their own content. So we've been fighting that case on a First Amendment grounds. And, you know, the challenge that we have is that it's always been considered that YouTube is a private you know, entity. So just like they, they can refuse the right to serve anyone, essentially, and they get protections by Section 230. But in this case, what we've told the ninth, what we told the court and we told the Ninth Circuit on Monday is that this is a case where the government is putting its thumb on the First Amendment scale By passing H.R. 1154, by uh, various people, Nancy Pelosi, Adam Schiff, and the like, making direct threats to social media that if they did not censor, they would lose their two-third immunity, that that constituted the kind of threat and the kind of impact on the First Amendment that government's not supposed to have. So that was what the argument was about on Monday. Uh, The judges had asked some tough questions, um, and I have no idea which way they're going to go on this, um, but my understanding is that, you know, we'll get a decision in a few weeks or a few months. And whichever way it goes, I think this case has the potential of going even further. Google will surely appeal it if they lose to an en banc hearing. So will we. This is a case that's been designed to get to the Ninth Circuit, so, or to get to the Supreme Court. So either we'll go up or we'll win and we'll go down and have a wonderful chance at doing discovery and find out what really happened here.
0: Okay, excellent, excellent. Uh, You know, I just want to say, Chris, I I thought you did uh, a wonderful job this past week. Um, You know, you really appeared to have a handle on the the situation and, you know, the background, everything that had happened. You know, to somebody like myself, and I'm sure uh, the others on the screen that have experienced this directly, I mean, it seems pretty obvious. But uh, the judges, you know, I mean, it's their it's their job to challenge you and uh, to get you to really flesh out your argument. Um, can you comment at all on, uh, you know, how you felt uh, uh, leaving the hearing? I mean, uh, did you seem to think that it was fair?
4: Yeah, I thought it was a fair hearing, and I thought the judges asked, you know, the right questions. The the only thing that I think that the judges asked that I think was sort of unfair, but I think this is, again, them pushing the envelope, is they came up with this re- reasoning sort of on behalf of YouTube. Well, maybe you got deplatformed because of the election. Maybe YouTube was just edit- you know, exercising its own editorial discretion, which was what YouTube argued, you and, they were, and, and, and they weren't really being manipulated by the government. But, but the point is, is for us to go forward in our case, the judges don't have to believe it. You just have to think that it's a plausible theory. And I think it's extremely plausible, given the sequence of events, that it was the government that weighed in on the editorial discretion on the censorship issue in this case. And, of course, we've seen recently we saw Zuckerberg come out and talk about how the FBI told him to take down Hunter's laptop. So we know the government was exercising pressure. So I don't know if those um, questions represent uh, a a bit of a lack of knowledge or naivete on the part of those particular judges or they were just pushing to see what the answers were. But you never know when you go to the Ninth Circuit like that. Uh, you know. And, and I think we'll probably see an en banc uh, hearing after this, which is a hearing following a three-panel decision of a decision of a fuller uh, set of judges. I think it's 11 or 13. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that'll be the next step. And uh, I'm excited to see uh, what kind of reasoning they can come up with possibly, because they're going to have to stretch the law Uh, pretty hard for us not to prevail in the Ninth Circuit. So very interesting seeing that.
0: All right. All right. Well, Uh, Chris, this is Sarah. Go ahead, Sarah. Can
5: I ask a question real quick? Chris, can you address why it's important that we sue Google versus the federal government? Because a lot of people ask that question. And I think it's really important that people understand why suing Google is, is so important.
4: Well, there's a few things. First of all, when you sue the federal government, you sue any agency of the government or any um, official of the government, you get mired in tremendous amount of immunities. um, And also judges are less uh, likely to grant you certain discovery rights. The government will come in and just say, oh, it's a national security issue. And the judges will accept that at face value and not go any further. When we're going up against someone like YouTube, We have a little more leverage in asking the hard questions and going after them. Also, the ones, the the entity that took the plaintiffs down, took the journalists down, was YouTube. So there's a direct uh, connection with YouTube. They also had contract terms with YouTube. YouTube violated their own contract terms when they took down the content. So we have a variety of claims against YouTube. The First Amendment was the the, the most direct hit against YouTube. Also, the case, even though this isn't going to happen in the Ninth Circuit, a lot of the cases that have failed before have alleged that YouTube, because, and, and social media in general, because we use the internet so much now, that they've essentially become the public square, the modern digital town square, the place where people go to debate. Now, the courts haven't grabbed onto that and agreed that they're subject to First Amendment concerns because they're, they're performing a traditional public purpose. But I think that we may get there someday, either at the Supreme Court, which has signaled its interest in this particular issue. The Ninth Circuit has said, nope, YouTube, Google, social media, you know, not subject to the First Amendment private entities. But there are some justices out there we can see in the Supreme Court in reading their opinions that they may well lean the other way. And with the composition of the Supreme Court now, I think we at least have a chance of the Supreme Court saying that all these cases, all these years saying that YouTube is not subject to uh, censorship laws because they're private, that that may be pried open. Um, So we we need to keep that in the case. It's an important point. It's preserved for the Ninth Circuit. It's preserved for for Supreme Court purposes. And there may be some action on that point. Um, so, to answer your question shortly, Sarah, very tough to litigate against the federal government. They put up all kinds of barriers, and the plaintiffs have a lot of other claims also against YouTube. And YouTube is really the responsible party here. If they're kowtowing to the government, then they ought to answer for it.
3: Yeah, I'd like know. to ask a question. Go <laughs> ahead. Um, um, HR 1145 uh, happened right before uh, Google went ahead and started banning all the accounts that we're talking about, the Hunter Biden laptop. And I was wondering what, if I could ask you about the timing of that and why it's suspect.
4: Sure. On October 2nd. So the bill was introduced, the House resolution was introduced on September 25th, 2020. The House passed it on October 2nd, 2020. This, on October 2nd, 2020, that is the exact same day that Congress, a committee of Congress issued a subpoena to the then CEO of Google to come testify before Congress. Understand that the power of subpoena from Congress is a weighty one. And the issue that he was called to testify on was exactly this, responsibility of the uh, social media engine with respect to authoritative information, vaccines, elections, and so forth. So at the same time, they're calling uh, Google to the carpet in Washington. They're considering this uh, HR Uh, And they passed H.R. 1154 on October 2nd. Uh, Fifteen days later, uh, these creators all get wiped off the Internet. So the timing, it looks like it's a cause and effect, right? Because the language in H.R. 1154 was specifically targeted to conspiracy theories, QAnon, uh, things that didn't uh, give the correct, you know, correct in quotes. The
3: Hunter Biden laptop. Yeah.
4: Exactly, that kind of stuff. So, if you look at the timeline, it, it looks, I mean, to any logical or reasonable person. Um, and, and look at this these creators, many of them had been up on YouTube for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. So, you mean to tell me that they're up there for 10 years? No one bothers them. They're flourishing, they're making money for themselves for YouTube, getting millions of views. October 2nd, the House calls out their speech. October 15th takes it down. And they want us to believe that YouTube just suddenly had an epiphany and exercise their editorial discretion. I don't believe it. I don't think it's plausible.
0: Uh, I I feel like it's willful ignorance to not draw that direct line to it. Craig, go ahead.
2: I just had one, you know, kind of an observation slash question. I don't know how much you can comment on this, Chris, but uh, it seemed to me as Judge that Judge Van Dyke, you know, in his kind of uh, what he was giving us from uh, you know examining your argument, kind of all but conceded the fact that they deleted us to affect the outcome of the twenty twenty election, you know, with that intent, explicit purpose, and it seemed to me as though he kind of uh, had the. I don't know. I, I guess it just felt like he was basically saying he they did it. And it's like, well, what can we do about it? And I know your argument is we have to prove that the government basically forced them to do it. But did, did you get the feeling that um, you, maybe Judge Van Dyke had a, you know, a, a more of a feel for what we're doing? I don't know. I don't know how to put it, you know, without getting into kind of a, a realm that I don't know if you can get into. Well, I got that I think, same
0: impression, too. Yeah. And I thought that was interesting that he kind of intimated that, the, like, you know, people generally think that that's exactly what happened.
4: And the question I had for him was, well, do you think that's okay or not, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it'll be interesting what they say about the election, because we didn't really allege much to that in our pleadings. So it did feel like they were pulling out of air, but he does have a point. I'd also point out, just so you know, the composition of the panel. We had three judges up there. Judge McKeown, who is a very uh, long, respected member of the court, who's written many opinions, particularly in the area of. YouTube is a private entity and not subject to the First Amendment, a very um, landmark case in that area that has been followed. Um, she's very smart. She's very good. Um, but I will notice note to you that the other two judges, Judge Callahan and Judge Van Dyke, were both conservative appointees, with Van Dyke having been appointed by Trump. Mm. Um, one of the reasons we thought we had a stronger case in the Ninth Circuit in 2020, when we started this case, is because Trump appointed so many federal judges that were conservative that we thought we might have a chance. But I will note that the First Amendment is traditionally a liberal issue. I mean, I was on the board of the ACLU of Southern California years ago, and I mean, it's always been a liberal issue. So when you look at it, you know, the First Amendment should not be a liberal nor a conservative. The point of it is the unpopular speech is the one that's always going to be censored. And the political winds change, you'll be on their, their end. And that's why it's so important to protect it uh, no matter you know which side of the, the political spectrum you're on. It,
0: hey, it's Chris, interesting how love... far the ACLU oh, has ahead. strayed from what they used to be. I, I mean, recently yep. they've kind of been you know positive positive in, in terms of uh, uh, the, um, I guess, the criticism they've had for the way that Project Veritas has been treated. But in general, they seem to kind of be airing against a free speech now. Uh, Sarah, go ahead.
5: Well, uh, well, to that point, George Soros gave them fifty million dollars, I think, in twenty fifteen, and since then they they shifted. But I I had a board member from the ACLU come on and talk about that. But the uh, I do have a question, or uh, for Chris, if they um don't side with us in district court what does that say about the standard because i know there was a case at the supreme court that with bantam books and other cases what happens to the standard if they don't side with us it seems like they make they'll make the standard so high that the government could always collude with YouTube or Google, and no one could ever prove it because of HR. You know the HR, the resolution, the what Nancy Pelosi said, the subpoenaed the CEOs to Congress. If all of that isn't enough to even be able to be granted, you know, the chances to them, then it seems like nobody will be able to reach that threshold.
4: Well, Sarah, the truth is, is that look, judges are very smart, and a smart lawyer, a smart judge can write an opinion, be, you know, have it go one way or the other, and maybe not reach the key issue. The key issue here is, did we allege enough government interference if the case should go forward that we should get to discover what really happened? I mean, I think that, you know, I, I can't predict what the court will say, but there's certainly, I can imagine opinion where it does decimate the First Amendment. And what, you know, what I told the court is, where is the boundary? At some point, the private entity uh, stops to become a private entity when the government puts a gun to its head, which they did by saying, if you don't behave, we're going to take away your two hundred and thirty immunity. And Nancy Pelosi explicitly said that. So at what point now, where's the boundary we should know where the line is when a private entity is a private entity and when the government interference is so pervasive that uh, Americans should take note. So, you know, I don't know, you know, it really depends on what the decision is. Um, but I can imagine a whole variety of different ways the government, the, the, the Ninth Circuit could reach various outcomes. Um, so but on the First Amendment issue, I mean, I think under the Supreme Court precedent, we are right. I really, truly believe that. Um, and if it rules on the First Amendment issue and uh, the government interference issue, I think we've got a, a, a case that I, I would love to send up to the Supreme Court.
1: Could I just uh, jump in here for a second? And just ask a quick question, yeah. um, <clears throat> Chris. Uh, I, we were actually on that same oral argument schedule, uh, my case as well. Uh, I saw we, that. Yeah, we got bounced out uh, on a procedural. They said that we didn't uh, do it timely enough. But um, have you considered substantial overbreadth in terms of a First Amendment in, in going up to Ombach? Because you know, with it being a regulatory, you know, delegation of authority, it's gone well beyond its breadth.
4: Um, no, that's not that's not the case we brought. I mean, when you get to substantial overbreath, you're talking about a particular statute and how overbroad it is. And then it's drawn, you know, not tailored enough to protect the First Amendment. And we're not really talking about a particular statute here. We're talking about the conduct of the government in interfering with okay. YouTube's editorial you're discussion. On the other side so it's a it. different case. Yeah. Okay. So you're we on the other side. We did not address 230 in this case. Got it. 230 may be a case that comes up, a matter that comes up later in the case. But we're not at 230 on this case right now. Mark.
0: Uh Jason, I'm not actually familiar with your case. Would you mind uh, uh just introducing that to the audience? Yeah. Hey you I, guys, I,
4: thank you. I'm gonna, Jason, yeah, before you go sure. on, I'm gonna I'm gonna check out. But um, thank you very much and thank you for your questions and uh thanks for the nice comments. I really appreciate it. Thanks,
0: thanks for being here. Chris. Thank you, Chris. Thank you, Chris. Okay. And, and thanks,
4: and, Chris.
3: And, and Jason, before we get to you, I do wanna mention that we are. Doing a fundraiser for this lawsuit. Like, we're doing this lawsuit so we can protect, you know, the freedom of speech here in America. And it's very important because, you know, we need to be able to talk about, you know, political things like the Hunter Biden laptop and, you know, whether uh, there's a conflict of interest uh, with, uh, you know, the president of the United States. And so uh, I just want to remind everyone that uh, we do have this uh this this uh fundraiser uh we are fighting for you and uh if you can please help us in our mission uh to do that it would be very very much well appreciated i'm going to put that up in a little bit
1: absolutely this this always costs a lot of money and i know that you know you guys have been in the in the fight as long as i have you know having come out with google and that's actually how i i got introduced to zach um but our direction is a little bit different. We went through 230 instead of around it. Um, you know, we've been we sued. I sued Facebook in 2018, took it all the way to the Supreme Court, never got a single day in, in court. And uh, like I said, I was supposed to be I was actually in that same oral argument uh, with a bit of a different issue. We, we had come back with the, what's what's called the um, the general provision of the statute What lot of people don't know about and the general provision is literally just that it's general it's supposed to preside over the whole thing and what that means is they're supposed to be acting as a good samaritan first and they didn't do that and the thing was is that we actually caught them in a catch-22 which was really kind of strange where we said hey look if this is the general provision it's got to apply to the whole statute but if it's not there was a case recently jakarski versus uh the sec that said if it's not the intelligible principle it's unconstitutional. So either way, we would have won. And they decided to cancel our arguments on us for the sixth time. And they blew it out on a procedural saying that we didn't, um, it wasn't timely. And that, and that's not right. I mean, we're going to be going back at them because we have the schedule. But we also took a separate path, which is um, what you guys were originally talking about, which is we're going after the government itself. Um, I, essentially, because I lost in this all the way up at the Supreme Court, I had never gotten a day in court. Because this is a statutory delegation of authority, we decided to go after the government itself, and we brought a 143-page constitutional challenge against the government uh, back in April. Um, I have uh, congressional support from Congressman Gohmert, um, but essentially, you know, it, Zach, us, you know, Chris, we're all just trying to get our voices back online i mean that that's what this is all about is supporting the people that are actually fighting it you know
5: that's right well and you know i i've talked to chris about um some of the stuff of you know different lawsuits and stuff and she says whoever can break through yeah is great and all these cases actually help each other mm-hmm. because the more pressure that's mounting the more awareness they'll have as to what the real
0: issues are
1: it doesn't matter who wins. You know, the judge. We all win, right? We all That's win if right. if anyone wins.
0: Yeah. Once that precedent's been set, you know, and uh, you know, I, I have, I, I think that going after the government is an excellent idea. I mean, to Chris's point, obviously, it's pretty difficult, but. I mean, it's also pretty obvious to anybody who's taking a look. I mean, it's not just that uh, House resolution, but I mean, I believe Adam Schiff had sent out a letter to uh, a variety of social media companies prior to that, telling them specifically that he wanted certain types of speech to be taken off. Obviously, Mark Zuckerberg's revelation that the FBI stopped over and said, by the way, suppress anything having to do with the Hunter Biden laptop. I mean, it's pretty clear when you take a look at the behavior of uh, certain individuals within the government and then even uh, entire agencies I'm actually pretty excited about what's going to come out of this Missouri lawsuit uh, with Dr. Fauci and uh, and a whole host of federal agencies and executives getting deposed and uh, and, and getting discovery on their personal uh, e- emails and communications.
3: And, and I want to add that, you know, yeah, this, I, okay, this lawsuit keeps on getting easier uh, in some ways because more facts keep making it out to the general public about the. Um, sort of fusion between uh, what the government's doing and what big tech is doing. And what's really incredible is the amount of additional evidence that we're integrating into this lawsuit, because now it's, you know, now it's fact that there was a back channel between uh, various members of the house, um, Adam Schiff in particular, who, uh, you know, encouraged uh, Google to do the censorship. And when we started this case, that wasn't something that we knew was something Mm. that we suspected But now that it's coming to light, you know, one of the questions I have is, is what are we going to discover, you know, in the next few months about the collusion between the state and big tech? Oh, I
5: think it's going to be worse than anybody even imagines, in my opinion. Let me just uh, state really quick that I was going to say the government, we want to make sure that they don't. Hide that Google doesn't get away with blaming the government for everything, and that's the only concern I have. Is that you have to go over after Google too, and they don't do some kind of whitewash where the Google, the the government's at fault in this situation, but then Google stays intact, and then they can still work their agendas with other big players. That can't happen. So I think it's great that we're going after them from all different angles, but whatever happens, we that can't happen. Otherwise, all we did is, you know, sweep it under the rug and we paid it being the taxpayers.
0: No, you you're absolutely right. Because at this point, Google has or YouTube rather has changed their terms and conditions. And so based upon probably what they have in place today, what they did to us back in October of 2020, wouldn't have been against the rules, wouldn't have been against their, their own terms and conditions. Uh, but yeah, they have to pay the price for what they've done to us. I mean, there's a whole host of other things that we don't even address, you know, like uh, tortious interference, you know, the taking our ability to, to make a living, our, our ability to uh, continue to run our businesses. You know, this is something that I, I wanted to ask you guys about uh, individually as well, I mean, this was devastating to me financially. This was devastating to me in terms (laughs) of being able to reach my audience, to be able to, you know, even have the the psychological wherewithal to continue. I mean, when I looked at my YouTube channel on October 15th, as I was getting my stream ready for a live appearance I was making that day in another city, in another state, to see my channel wiped off the face of the earth and, you know, 800-plus videos just gone in an instant— You know, that really affected me. And it was like I had to I had to take everything inside of myself to continue moving forward, you know, knowing that the election was just two weeks away. Craig, I mean, if you can comment on on the personal cost to you, I'd really like to hear about it.
2: Well, the personal cost is is huge. The toll was amazingly large. I had um, massive problems after my channel went down financially, uh, mental health, physical health uh, a lot of big problems for me in my life, but, you know, by the grace of God, I got through it, but I'll tell you this. I mean, the damages that I suffered through all of this were, you know, just immense. I mean, you can't imagine what it's like. I had actually been in uh, South Florida. I was at Miami at the American priority conference when I uh, received uh, basically where I was on my way to it. And, uh, you know, when I found out my channel was taken off, this was two weeks before the election, you know, the, the, the things that you go through when you lose your channel like that, and your audience, especially when you built that into a career, it's almost indescribable. Because a lot of people will be like, "It's not a big deal. You just you lost your channel. Like get, get over it. You know, you'll you'll make it up." But no, it's it's huge, and it takes a huge effect on you. And at the end of the day, what I went through on a personal level was I was in the middle of making an HBO documentary with a friend of mine. We had been putting it together for uh, years, three years. I'd been working on it. And it was uh, not going to be launched until March or May of that year or of the next year. So I was kind of sitting there thinking. or I think it was May of that year, but either way I was sitting there thinking to myself, you know, this is just, what am I going to do? You know, how am I going to support my family? How am I going to pay my bills? How am I going to get the, and it all just came to this culmination where I had to like step away for a year. Um, I didn't, I wasn't able to make content for about a year where I just, I literally couldn't do anything. I mean, I was, I was in such a bad place mentally, physically, and it cost me a huge amount of my audience. You know, you guys, like you, Zach, I know, kept going, you know, hard. You uh, kept fighting through it. But some of us, you know, we had already been doing it for years. And it just, it it was kind of like the straw that broke the camel's back for me. And it put me in a terrible place. It, It knocked me off my feet. And it took me about a year. But with God's grace, I was able to get my health order, my mental health in order, and uh, get back on the horse, as it were. And now I'm struggling to rebuild that audience I once right. had. You know, it was one point I could, I could get 50,000 views, you know, an episode, 100,000, 200,000, easy. It wasn't yep. even like, that was like a daily episode for me. And now I'm, I'm you know, lucky to get 10,000, 20,000, 30,000 views on an episode. And that's like being lucky. So yeah. it, it's a process. You probably know just as well as everyone else, uh, you know, Sarah and everyone else who, who went through this. But when you had a big channel like I did, and you did too, Zach, yep. It's, it's devastating because it, it your, your advertisers leave. Uh, the revenue just drops through the, through the floor. I have people now feel like, oh, you still exist? You're still around? Yeah, like, well, yeah, yeah, I didn't, you know, I didn't disappear. I was disappeared. I was, it's yeah. the the Matt, uh, what was it? Uh, Matt Drudge, the digital gulag. We got thrown in the digital gulag and I'm still there. Banned yeah. on Twitter, banned on Facebook, banned on uh, uh, YouTube, banned on Indeed.com banned me, MailChimp banned me. I've been banned on so many platforms. I've been, I mean, you can't even go, there's a list so long. I can't get on any major big tech platform and they'll delete me as soon as they figure out who I am. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like being a second class citizen at that point, digitally at least, and then you have to rebuild. And if you want to keep your career in this particular focus, which is, you know, online digital content creation, It's almost impossible. But like I say, by the grace of God, his grace is greater. I'm able to persevere and go through and and get to where I am now, which is just back to barely making a fraction of what I made uh, previously. I probably lost 80% of my income and I'm still struggling to get that 20%, you know, that
0: I can uh, for now. No, I, I absolutely understand. My heart goes out to you. And I yeah I went through the same thing, but I, I had to persevere. I had to keep going, you know, but it was very difficult to do it. I mean, like every single day it was a struggle to get up and, you know, try to <laughs> try to appear as if I was going to be OK. I basically just faked it till I made it and uh and yes in the same way i my youtube the email that i used for youtube was preemptively banned on every single platform that you could possibly imagine even my proton mail which has red pill 78 in it uh has been banned from a num a number of uh platforms that have nothing to do uh with content creation well shutterfly uh, for, uh, for stock footage, I was preemptively banned from that. I tried to sign up, uh, just to, to get a a, a, a couple of videos that I wanted specifically. And, uh, as soon as I made the account, they immediately shut it down and they said, you're going to have to talk to customer service. And then of course they have nothing that they'll say to me because I didn't do anything wrong and, and they just don't want me there. Sarah, how about yourself? What, what, what was this like for you?
5: Oh, <laughs> well, I had my website taken, I had Patreon taken down, which I, yep. I had a lot of Followers. I had 1,800 subscribers there, so that was a good monthly income that I could count on. And then I had um, my website was taken down, and I was turning it into a news site.
3: Mm-hmm.
5: And GoDaddy, the the National Crime Federal Crime Division took down my website, me and the largest gun forum. And luckily, the the employees at gold daddy were horrified they're like we don't do stuff like this and they got my domain back and then I got it set up outside the country and I was set up on net for like two weeks but I got it back and and now I'm set up and out of the country in a different area but it was it's just Twitter of course I was taken down the same day all of us were taken down along with Donald Trump same Mm -hmm. day but it was um yeah I think it it I just kind of became, went into a different zone and um, I had a very similar, not similar, very different, but a really very difficult situation back in 2008 with my business and a corrupt bank. And I learned a lot about the banking industry and um, the law, you know, legal and justice and all this stuff in the government. And that was horrifying for me. And so I already went through this really hard situation. And so uh, this, it was very hard for me, but that toughened me up a lot. It, and so if this would have been, with, if I hadn't done that first, then I think I would have, I don't know if I would have continued. I mean, I don't know. It was, that uh, would have been devastating. But because I already went through that, that allowed me to be a little stronger um, yeah. because I already got destroyed. <laughs> you know what I mean? By a a very corrupt bank. And that's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, it was really devastating. I think uh, we all went through a lot. And uh, the biggest concern I have is that if Google and just big tech in general, Google, I'm the most worried about because I understand the the size and scope of them. They have 92% of the world's search engine market, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they're a monopoly worldwide. I mean, not just in the United States. And the fact that they control the the narrative of the young people. I mean, we're a little older, so we remember and we go into different we go to newspapers or sites and look elsewhere. They live in this social media bubble and they're fed what they're fed. And I'm very concerned that if this is allowed, we in the world. It, we we're going to see freedom we're going to see tyranny at a level we've never experienced and, and so it's very serious and we can't let them sweep it under the rug and let the government pay for their crimes through taxpayers we'll end up paying for it and then google still stays intact with this section 230 and and then a powerful entity can sit and manipulate them all day long we, we just, we can't have that if we want to maintain freedom. And I think, uh, Zach, um, Boris, the Google whistleblower, I think you can speak to that quite well. I'm hoping you and you guys can speak to that really well when you go on a caravan to midnight on Monday, because people need to understand how dangerous Google really is, and big tech in general is. But Google in particular is very scary.
3: Well, I think that one of the you know the positive things about this is that we have now sort of established alternatives um, you know, Absolutely, to yes. big tech. And that's, that's, you know, that fills the gap a little bit. Um, You know, YouTube is a massive platform. Uh, that's where the users are. Uh, if you want to find out how to do anything like today, I figured out how to do some technical thing for a, um, a, a social media site that uh, I'm contracted to work on that you guys will, will see soon, uh, very soon here. And um, you know, The go to was YouTube. I didn't go to Rumble. I didn't go to BitChute. Um, The information store is on YouTube. um, And that recommendation engine is really powerful. And the thing is, is that people want this conservative content. Uh, They do not like the lies that are being shoveled to them by this like collusion, uh, collusive force. Uh, People want to hear what's, you know, alternative uh, viewpoints. Uh, They want to have a different narrative on the news. And so what was really happening was, and I saw this from the inside as when I was working at YouTube is look like, um, those clicks are driving the recommendation algorithm and who's ever sitting behind Google decided that this wasn't going to be in their favor. And so what they did is instead of trying to come up with better ideas, they just said, we're going to shut down the voices of those with better ideas, you know, and, and they did it right before the election. Like you know, where's the election, you know, um, uh regulatory body, like they're letting the entire thing go through, like at the very least, Google should be, you know, sued by the government right now for election interference, right? Like, you know, all this talk about get money out of politics. Well, this is the biggest force of money in politics. Like, Google's over a trillion dollars, you know, and they're sitting there saying you can talk, you can listen to this person, but you can't consensually listen to that person or you can't hold this you know, this viewpoint. And look, I don't agree with everything that like, for example, Kanye West says, but you can't even put a video of him now on your, your Google drive account. Um, Google will, will tell you they'll cancel your upload and they'll say, um, this content is not allowed. It violates our terms of service. And they, they block you from being able to upload it. That's wild. right. They, it's wild. And they've done the same thing over and over and over again. Like when, you know, there was the recount in Arizona and, um, People were hosting their spreadsheets uh, on the Google Drive account, and Google deleted them. Uh, basically, said, "This is ours now. You're running our servers. We don't like you accessing this spreadsheet, so we're just going to uh, delete it, essentially, or you know, essentially block access." And you know, we have to fight back against this because if we don't, then we're no better than you know a communist nation like China, which blocks all you know. Communications that it doesn't like. It's got an AI sensor. And that's essentially where we're at right now is that we have an AI censorship regime that's, you know, been built into the infrastructure. And it's censoring you uh, based upon criteria that literally changes overnight. Like the 4 a.m. talking points go out to the mainstream media. Uh, they change the narrative. And then Google uh, you know, modifies the rankings of all the search results on YouTube and Google search and Google News to reflect that bias. Which is the reason why, you know, I got together um, you know, with these content creators and launched this campaign, which was originally called Punch Google, but now Sarah Westhall has taken over fundraising and she's done a fantastic job with that. Um, which is uh right here at the gift send go slash defending dot com. Check it out. Um, it's got a lot of the content that you know from this case that we're posting here. Um and, uh, and a lot of people are coming out and saying, I want to contribute to this, right? $57,000 already. That's incredible. That's an incredible number. And I want to, you know, give a hand to Sarah. Um, I have been talking for a little bit longer, but I will say um, that, you know, do we have any time, Zach, to uh, show some of these clips of the trial? Because um, it's the the trial is was pretty amazing. Like I was pretty much glued to, you know, all the arguments. Um, I thought Chris Armenta, you know, delivered an incredibly strong case. And the judges were, you know, exploring, you know, the relationship between, you know, what the government, uh, what government officials, you know, and their private communications with with these big tech, you know, with Google in particular, and uh, the censor censorship regime that followed. So I, I'd like to show some clips from that. Uh, and then, you know, get your commentary, Zach, get your commentary, Greg, Sarah, Jason um on you know what some of this stuff means because there's a lot of a lot of things here that uh you know just to be honest go over my head.
0: Yeah, that's that's totally fine. I think that that's uh, very valuable. I I streamed the proceedings the other day and I gave my thoughts on a lot of the what the judges had to say in the interaction, so I would love to get uh, uh, the thoughts from the other panelists, but please go ahead uh cue it
2: up. Can,
0: can All I, right. Well, I just yeah. want to
2: interject real quick if I could. Um that you know We knew that it was going downhill. I mean, before all this happened, do you guys remember when uh, you couldn't say Eric Chiemarell?
0: Oh yes, yeah. Do you remember
2: that? I remember that. That's when I knew that this was all going south. Was when I had a video pulled because I said that guy's name, and you know what these these hearings? Not it's not a trial, Zach. It's hearings, but or a (laughs) hearing to to hear the the argument. But um, what this essentially shows, which I'm sure you'll show, is that you know. Like I said, Judge Van Dyke on the right there, the male judge of this three panel judge uh, board, he essentially just validates the the claim that that we've made from day one, which is that they did this to fix the election. We knew it. They knew it. Uh, the judges know it. They're essentially telling us in these uh, uh, hearings in no uncertain terms. What are you going to do about it? And I really think that's the point that we need to like if we're going to take anything away from this, these judges are saying yeah, they did it. So what? You don't have any case against us and or against them because they're a private entity and they can do this. And I think that's something that cannot be stressed uh, any more than I could here uh, to say that, you know, that was my ultimate takeaway. Although I do have hope for our case and I do think we have standing and I do think we have uh, a case to be made and we we will win. Um, I just think that the judges are kind of, you know, in the way they play the devil's advocate saying, well, what are you going to do about it? And I think that, you know, let's watch these these clips. And, and but I knew at that point with Eric Chiamorella where it was headed. And, and I knew that our channels were doomed from that moment. And uh, I'm not surprised where we're, we are, where we're at now.
0: OK, Zach, what is the My ninth uh, first clip?
4: is studying Fahrenheit 451 in English. So I thought I would start with that which is the case in which Ray Bradbury wrote of a dystopian society in which firemen, instead of putting out fires, they burned books, and sometimes the people along with them, in the interest of creating conformity and squelching independent thought. In this case, YouTube is the book burner, and it's the government officials and the House of Representatives itself that identified for YouTube which books to burn. The plaintiffs allege the public officials through H.R. 1154 specifically identified the speech that plaintiffs had been making for years on YouTube. It was the escalating threats that public officials made out loud. Nancy Pelosi said um, that she would take away or she would attempt to take away Section 230 immunity. Um, YouTube hopped to it and we allege that they did it as a result of both coercion and encouragement.
6: One thing that's kind of weird about this is um, you don't have anything in really in the record about what they took down. I mean, we can track it down, but then it's not really in the record, which seems kind of bizarre to me that you're making us work that hard on that. <laughs> so um, I'm just not sure why there aren't more specific allegations relating to the specific content Fair That's point. That's
4: issue here. Fair point, Your Honor. There are a few allegations in the First Amendment complaint, and I admit, I think we admitted in our brief, it could have been much more detailed. Um, part of that reason well, is- Well, we're just kind of human
6: beings. We sh- wonder what sure. we're taking down.
4: Sure, of course. So if you look at um, ER 59, um, paragraph 8 of the First Amendment Complaint, does uh, talk about conspiracy theories, talks about content about Hunter Biden in the Ukraine, the ongoing corruption probe, content about social media censorship, um, content about QAnon—that's right in the complaint. It's also some of those are the specific issues that were identified in HR 1154. So there's a direct link between what the House of Representatives identified, what the plaintiffs' content was, and then curiously, exactly what YouTube put in their blog on October 15th. Well, let me let me ask you. Let's assume
7: there's all that and more. The question is, does it matter? Because What I think is lacking here, and maybe you can point me to it, I don't see any Congressional command. Um, And I don't see anything that links it with YouTube, for example, where it appears that uh, your client's writings um, took place. Do you have any allegation you can make on that other than what you've
4: made? I think, Your Honor, if we decide that Blum and bantam books and all the other cases required a congressional demand, then we're really taking the heart out of those cases where the Supreme Court said that encouragement, threats, coercion is enough. And so the question really is, is why are there threats and encouragement and coercion enough that as the case law is, that the private action should be fairly attributed to the state. Now the- you have, you have a, well, you
7: have a couple members of Congress and we know they are not Congress. and i think your clients would probably agree with that
4: yes Yes, of course
7: so you have a couple of people who um have made statements that can't be a compulsion
4: can it no it can't and we saw that in uh so so what what else is there then let me explain where the line where i think the line should be because i think it's very important to identify that line if not in this case perhaps if the case comes back and that's this we saw in Abu Jamal, senator dole didn't like a program that was going up that wasn't enough We saw in a case uh, Elizabeth Warren criticized uh, Amazon book. That's not enough, because after all, the legislators do have their own First Amendment rights to say what they think. You know, we see that a lot, and that's absolutely fair game. But What is your best case? When you have Bantam Books, 1963. In Bantam Books, a New Jersey commission identified what publications it didn't like, and the publishers decided to, stop circulating those books. And they did that because they were afraid of some unspecified action that could befall them. It wasn't a mandate. It wasn't, they weren't threatened with anything specific. In this case, by the way, YouTube was threatened with something very specific. They were threatened with the takeaway of the lifeblood of their business, which was the repeal of 230. Now that alone is.
3: Okay. So, um, you know, I guess this is a question uh, for you, Jason, what is Bantam Books and, how does it apply to this case that uh, that we're doing right now?
1: i I'll be honest, I'm not familiar with bantam books. Um, i, I you know I, I have a take on what what they're saying there. Um, the, the, you know they were talking about the line, <clears throat> excuse me they're they're looking for an arbitrary line to to say where is it coercion and where is it not coercion? and we look at it a little bit differently obviously we're you know we're running concurrent cases we look at it from the standpoint that the line actually exists and and the coercion exists in the statute itself at the beginning and the reason being is because if, if you just look at its title alone right for this is section 2 that he's title it's protection for good samaritan blocking and screening of offensive materials well the government gave them a directive they're giving them protection to do a job and that's to protect protect blocking and screening of offensive materials so the government physically gave them a direction like a directive at the beginning and that's the way we approached it and say so that what they're saying here is from outside sources if they just you know intimate you know like well we don't like this is that enough well the point there is is that that's an out type outside directive not in the direct you know not in the actual statute in that circumstance it's very hard to pin it on them you know, as to because it's it what we call it, it's it's just a laundering process. They say, "Hey, we would l- kind of like you to do this," and then they go, "Oh, okay, wink, wink, nod, nod." You know, we won't take away your 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 protections if you do what we tell you to do. Otherwise, we'll take them away and we'll decimate the entire industry. It's yes, it is coercion, but making that jump, that leap is tough because the judges don't want to connect it. That's that's the way we look at it. They they don't want to make that connection. It's very tough.
5: I can no, I speak agree. to um, Bannum oh, books sorry. if you, yeah, if you want me to, because um, I've been talking to Chris a little bit about you know the case. She kind of bounced some stuff off of me before the hearing and stuff, just to because I would ask her questions and things. Um, but the Bannum books was a case in New York where you know, in the fifties, 59, I think, I don't know. I don't remember what year it was. It was either the 68 or 58. I can't remember. But anyways, it was a, it was a situation where the government had a council and they wanted to ban certain books and they came up with a list. As Chris explained it. And then they had a police officer deliver this list to the distributors and the distributors immediately took it off saying that they were that, you know, they actually said they wanted to do it, but, um, they ended up suing a different entity ended up suing. I think it was the publisher or the the book writers. I'm not exactly sure who ended up suing. Okay. But I know the the point of the case, they said that it didn't matter, um, whether they wanted to or not do it but they did it because of the fear of what could happen if they didn't take it down and that's what what the the argument was and the supreme court agreed with that argument saying that the um it was authoritative enough it was coercive enough it was um official enough that it scared the distributor into doing it immediately and that the, uh, it was of concern. And so it was as if the, 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 they were acting as a state actor at that point because of the um, coercive nature. You know, they talk about the gun to the head and the coercion and stuff. In our case, and so the Supreme Court decided on that. In our case, we have, you know, HR 1154, we have the CEO is up on Congress, we have um, Adam Schiff, we have Nancy Pelosi, we have a whole bunch of things. And our case is so much stronger than on books. And so if they ruled against it, that's why she says there's a good Supreme Court case here if they rule against it, because now they're going against the standard set at the Supreme Court. And if they end up turning that standard around, they're essentially getting rid of that whole state actor and Google can do whatever they want under, I mean, because wh- how could you create a standard higher than that? I mean, that's about as high as you're ever going to get. And they well in history in American history that's the highest standard that's ever happened. So the chance of it happening again is pretty rare. And so, well, well, that's was why this the we case, have such a good case?
3: Was this the case that established the quasi-state actor where the government made the request, but there was another entity that actually did the execution of that censorship?
5: Well, this was um, Banana Books was the distributor, and um, they they pulled all those books down because they were worried about what the government was going to do. And so that's why that was, you know, that was the case. Um, So did I answer that question? Well, it was 1963. I'm not not an attorney, so I'm not using the proper words, but I, I, I think that the concept and the logic is there.
2: It was 1963 and it was a state commission that was uh, basically stating that you couldn't publish these objectionable things. They had the police try to shut it down it was basically, a, I guess that's what they brought to the court. The court fate, argued that you know it was censorship by state action, and that I don't know how that relates to state action as far as what you're asking, Zach. But I just want to correct it was a, It was 1963. Mm-hmm.
5: Yeah, I didn't yeah. have the right year. I couldn't remember the year, but yeah. So this was that's that's our best case because it matches, or at least Chris thinks it's our best case because it matches exactly what happened here, and the Supreme Court already ruled on that as, um you know, a matter of standard.
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And this is kind of like, ours is worse thing. than that. Yeah. It, it, it exceeds that. And the thing that's interesting is that, you know, they've got this sort of thing where it's like, you know, if you were to sue the government, they're like, well, we didn't ban you. Go sue Google. And you go to Google and like, well, we got coerced, you know, yeah, go sue right. the government. And so that, they, they, they that, point these things That's exactly fingers. what happened to us, Zach. Yeah. We sue the government. They, they blamed it on
1: Facebook and Facebook blamed it on the government. And it just goes around in a circle.
3: Right.
5: But it's, that's why it's important to do this state actor thing like this, because otherwise they both, they both point at each other and both cases go away and you're hosed.
3: mm mm-hmm. uh, Can I continue with the,
0: uh, with another clip? Go ahead. Yeah, well, I, before, right. before you one, do, one. let, let uh-huh. me say this and then Craig, you do it. And then Zach, you do your clip. Uh, Freight Awakening over on Rumble said, uh, great panel, Zach, Craig, along with Prang Medic, were who I found when I wanted to learn what Q was all about almost five years ago. They led me to you and many others. Zach has balls of steel. Salute. I don't know if you're talking about me or Zach Voorhees, but I'll accept. Fred Awakening also says, <laughs> Hopefully you get to the rants at one point, Zach, if not no biggie. But I missed Craig's secret to Perfect Fried Chicken a month or so ago. Maybe he can divulge it now or share a link. Google is asshole. So, Craig, I will allow you to either uh, decline or right. accept and make your other point.
2: You can have my secret to fried chicken. It's on YouTube at Crespi's. I'll, I'll leave a link in the chat in a minute here, but I was just going to make a point on the beginning of that clip you showed just in a second ago, Zach um, Voorhees, that, uh, you know, the funny thing was when you heard the judge ask, she says, it's amazing that you haven't given us any, you know, provided us with any direct examples of, of you know, the, of what the content one that was deleted or that, that we're supposed to be looking at. And I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, they deleted all of our content. Like how me are we supposed to give it to you? Like, it's like you memory, they memory hold it. And now you want us to go find out what, you know, what particular content of the thousands of hours of content that we made. It was the, the particular, you know, argument for the case. It's insane. The whole logic is, is, is backwards. And how these courts work, if you ask me, is because they, the whole system seems rigged, but go on, Zach. That's I actually, had, I had, just, just want to
1: say eject. That's a really good point to make in your on bunk refiling.
2: That's what Just I was to say. say. The content's
1: like, not there because you took it away. I can't even show yeah. you. That
0: That's- was exactly what I thought. And I was hoping that Chris would end up bringing it up at some point, but you know, perhaps yes. in, in the next hearing. Yeah, I was hoping she would. I was
4: hoping yeah. she would, too. All
0: right. Here we go.
4: Go ahead. It's the combination of forces that caused external pressure on YouTube, as I think Judge Callahan wrote the opinion in UC in uh, Doe versus Regents, where you have a number of forces that create pressure and reaction. So the question is, did the plaintiffs allege that there was enough pressure and the specific identification of the speech in question that YouTube reacted? Well, it's very simple to find that because all you have to do is look at the timeline. The House passed its resolution on October 2nd, 2020. It identified the specific content. The plaintiffs' channels had been up for years. Years. YouTube never before identified conspiracy theories, QAnon, Hunter Biden's laptop, or any of those things. And suddenly they want us to believe that on October 15th, YouTube had this sudden epiphany that they wanted to exercise their First Amendment rights that they hadn't done in years and years and years. The only thing that you can see is that H.R. 1154 that identified that specific speech was passed on October 2nd. The government's not allowed to identify by formal resolution specific speech that it wants social media to take down. I mean, this wouldn't matter if it was a private library or if it's social media. The point is the government in a formal way, which has been followed up, by the way, by written threats, not only audible threats, but also a writing and an admission by YouTube that it was acting on the censorship issue in partnership. In the okay.
3: okay, so what, what, reactions. What do you guys think about that? Like, you guys got censored. I mean, now in retrospect, it was very clear. Yeah, it all happened when the Hunter Biden laptop uh, story broke, and you guys were all over that immediately, and boom, it was just like every single one of your channels was taken
0: down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, even before the YouTube deletion, I mean, there was a series of progressive deletions. I mean, Sarah mentioned uh, Patreon, uh, PayPal, Cash App, uh, you know, and then just shortly after getting deleted from YouTube, I got deleted from Twitter, like you know, less than two weeks later, before the election as well. Uh, so, I mean, it it seems pretty pretty clear that there is a direct correlation between that additional pressure that was put from the government onto YouTube to suddenly have this shut down. And I think it becomes even clearer when you have the Federal Bureau of Investigation visiting Facebook and saying to them, hey, guess what, guys? We don't want this getting out. Are we to believe that Facebook was the only social media company that the FBI paid a visit to? I highly doubt it. And I would imagine that you're going to find a record of them also visiting Twitter and a record of them also visiting YouTube and probably any number of other social media companies.
2: Well, and, yeah. and I think also you got to remember they had a target on her back uh, sure. for the whole time and uh, they were looking for any reason. It wouldn't have mattered. It could have been like, oh, we sneezed and oh, yeah, you're gone. But mm-hmm. they chose to do it because I, I believe wholeheartedly that um, we were talking about Susan Wojcicki and Sergey Bren and their incestuous relationship and how they're all interconnected and in, uh, in their relationships and uh, how, you know, Google and 23andMe are connected. And did, did anybody know that mm-hmm. before we started digging on those things? And did people realize that they're harvesting your DNA and then is connecting it to your social profiles? And did they know that, you know, Facebook was life Log and that, you know, the CIA basically handed this program to Mark Zuckerberg <laughs> to run with? And uh, did, did they know any of these things before we started reporting on them? And the, and the answer to that is probably no. Right. And then once you realize that, then you realize very quickly that it wasn't just Hunter Biden's laptop. They were just looking for an excuse to get rid of us and HR 11, whatever it was, the one that Nancy Pelosi and them put out was just the convenient excuse that they were looking for. But It was coercion because if you look at it, the government was saying, if you don't get rid of these people, we're going to start, you know, changing your protections, right? We're going to have to take a hard look at your protections, you know, your Section 230 protection, which I don't know how they still qualify for receiving anyway, because they've become publishers and editors in the way that they, you know, curate content on their platform. And just the fact that when you go to search on Google – And you get the same results on every page for the first like 100 page or 200 pages. And you realize the Internet's dead. It's not the Wild West it once was. It's some, you know, shallow, hollow, uh, uh, you know, shell of what it once was, which was you could go online. You could find information that you wouldn't otherwise be able to access in other places, especially from the mainstream media. And when we broke the system, I remember when I started, I was I was I was beating cnn like a drum on a Mm -hmm. regular basis with my one channel one episode of my channel would knock i mean i wouldn't beat cnn in aggregate but there wasn't a show on cnn that could compete with me numbers wise until Mm -hmm. they started manipulating the algorithms until they started de-platforming and and, and putting us in these uh you know uh, they wouldn't suggest our content and they wouldn't promote our content and then they took us out of the carousel and then they took us demonetized us until all that stuff started happening, I mean, me and, and Zach, I know you were doing great too, because mm-hmm. you were like you were moving quick, man. I remember every time I look at your channel, you'd have like ten thousand more subscribers and be like, Who is this guy? And then I started <laughs> watching, I'm like, This guy's pretty good. Like he's I'm step, step my game up. This guy's coming for me, right? He's going like, oh, and you eventually did, God bless you. Mm-hmm. And it's like, you know, they had it out for us because we were doing stuff that they were scared of. I remember I when my channel first started. You know what I was researching back in 2017 and 2016? Even I was I was using Hunter Biden, Burisma Capital, uh, Devin Archer. Those were the things that I was researching and I was making videos about and putting uh, you know deep dives into. And it's like, well, then it makes sense in 2023 years later. Why? As soon as Hunter Biden gets out, you gotta disappear the people who know where the bodies are buried, right. because we're gonna be able to expose all this stuff. So, I, you know, that's the way I look at it. You're absolutely
0: right,
5: Jason. Did Jason? Didn't you have millions and millions of followers, something like that?
1: Yeah. So we were kind of like the OG uh, group. Um, I got into it in like 2010, and uh, I remember doing an accounting of of my my uh, Facebook, you know, fans. We were at 16.8 million in 2012. We we could actually change national trends, um, and I did not in, in a couple circumstances. And uh, it, it's funny because you guys were talking about that, and, and I can give, you know, your viewers. I don't know if uh, I can't really. I don't have it on my screen, but I have it on my cell phone. But I'm gonna see if I if you can see this. That is what it looks like when everything shuts off. Oh, yeah. And what that represents is is that second number up that's is ugly. that's forty thousand likes a day I was gaining. Instantaneously, it just shut off. Wow. I went from making 300 grand a month to making six over, overnight. It dropped to four after that. And basically, there's nothing I could do about it. Wow. And um, it wasn't until 2018, it was, uh, oh, excuse me, 16, I- ironically, October 19th, you know, right before the election again, um, I lost uh, six pages, 14 million fans overnight with no reason. But in that circumstance, I caught him in a catch 22. And th- this is where things get kind of hairy because when they shut my content down, you know, they can claim that it's offensive, right? You can't, you don't know what's offensive. You can't prove that your stuff wasn't offensive because they can consider anything offensive. Right. But in that circumstance, I had a, a friend of mine who was an ex-colleague who did uh, 22 million in advertising that year with them. And they had reps and they went to the reps and said, Hey, Facebook, you know, could you turn this guy's pages back on? And they said, uh, no, no, we can't do that. But if you guys own it, we can do it. So I sold them the pages. And sure enough, as soon as I inked those contracts, boom, they all came back. Now, the thing was, the content was identical when it went down as when it came back. So we caught them dead to rights. It has nothing to do with content. And yet we have now spent, what, four years in the California courts. We've made arguments that are irrefutable. And they come up with some of the craziest answers. Um, you know, they basically have applied. And I, and I found this in a, in a study for the internet. Uh, what was the internet? Um, it, it was some sort of study that was done over 500 cases over the last two decades, right? They have dismissed. You would think that most of them apply to C2, the part where you remove content. Believe it or not, out of 500 cases, only 19 cases have ever applied to 230C2. 481 of them applied to 230C1 because they said that you can't treat them as a publisher. And that happened, that's starting back in 1997 in Zoran. And so what happens is if you can't treat them as a publisher, they can do anything they want with publishing so long as a third party created it, so much so that they could create the content, send it to a third party, have the third party post it and claim, We're immune because you can't, like, make us a publisher. But in every one of what you guys are talking about, they are content providers, Mm -hmm. suggestions, sponsors, all of that stuff. It's making editorial decisions as to what content to provide, and yet you can't, because the courts have it misunderstood, you can't treat them as a publisher. But ironically, that's textually wrong. Mm -hmm. It says you can't treat them as the publisher. And in that case, the publisher is a specific publisher that's not them. They got it wrong. They yeah. just won't deal with it. That's the problem. It it undoes a lot of precedent.
2: It's almost like George Carlin was right when he said there's a big club and we ain't in it. Yep. <laughs> <Is> that,
1: <Calvary? laughs> that, that and Bill Clinton said it depends on what the definition of is, is. The mm-hmm. words matter, you know? Yeah.
2: True. Yep.
1: Well, so true.
5: and that's why it's so good that we're, we we do have a case like Bannon Books because now it's they have their own president. They're going to go against the Supreme Court ruling. And so... I mean, I, I don't know, you know, judges can be, that's why I keep saying, pray for the judges. Cause they can be bought out, blackmailed, whatever. We just need to make sure they have the courage to do what's right.
1: Can I make a prediction just because I just, I literally just experienced it uh, Thursday. We got a decision. Like I said, we were supposed to be in the same oral argument. We hit them with an absolute catch 22 argument that there was no way out of. And like I said, it, the Good Samaritan provision either had to apply to the whole statute, or it was unconstitutional if it wasn't the Good Samaritan general provision. It was a catch twenty two. There's no way out, and that was when they switched to procedural dismissal. They said, "No, nope, you, you screwed up. You're out." Wow. It's because they couldn't argue it. That's how it goes. So yeah, we we may actually we may reply to them, but you know, just like you guys, man, I don't care who wins this thing. All I want it done is fixed. But yeah, we're, you know, a lot of us are heading towards the Supreme Court because that's I think that's the only place places it can be fixed.
2: Well, and I keep kind of reminding myself, we started all this in October of 2020, just us in our case, for, particularly speaking. And it's almost like they're trying to run out the clock and then they're like, OK, well, if you can't afford to play this game, then you're not going to have a chance, especially because it's like, how are we going to afford it? if we have to sit here for years and years and years of lawyers and lawyers and lawyers going to court case after court, hearing after hearing, after hearing, then appeal after appeal. It is like they're running out the clock. And uh, so they'll just keep changing the game up on us as we go. It's what it feels like.
1: It's a war of attrition. They, they were, they want to run me out. They want to run you guys out. And that's why like everybody listening right now, seriously, if you guys want us to fix this, like this is who you donate to. Like, cause Zach and, and these guys, you know, Sarah and Craig and, we're actually doing the real fight. You know, they need your help. That's why you need to donate to them because this is a war of attrition.
3: Right. Yeah, Everyone, everyone's the like resources. they're like, What can I do to help? And it's just like, we're we're doing the work, uh, you know, we're doing the legwork. Uh Sarah's, you know, been taking the torch and moving forward with this. Um, and you know, we're gonna make sure that the freedom of speech is not just you know, some obscure thing in the um, Constitution It's something that actually protects you so that we can have a free and fair society, not only for ourselves, but also for our children and generations to come.
1: Uh, in I that people, that's right. Uh, I was just real quick. Uh, I tell people the freedom of speech, Act doesn't yeah. end where the Internet begins. It goes all right. the way through. Like, that's why this is so important.
3: Yep, absolutely. I'm going to play this video. We're going to see the, the, the tail end of this. Um, of this uh, arguments by Chris Armenta
6: in but, okay, but let 's assume that what everything that you say is enough for state action doesn 't that just create a situation where you can hold the government responsible, not necessarily the private actor because you're it, it seems to me that you're alleging that, and if we agreed with you on that, then that would bring the government in but I don't see any case out there it seems to me you're asking us to push it even a step further and say therefore then the private actor is responsible
4: uh, and we are asking that your honor and that's because that is there is, is that a step further than am i am that, i missing something that is a step but it's not further than the existing law so in the cases that we cite in our brief collins versus woman care brunetti versus humane society and even in the court, the court said, this court, the Ninth Circuit, that when the private actors essentially act as agents of the state or do the state's bidding, as we contend they've done here, their conduct is transformed into that of the state and they can be held responsible.
3: Yeah. So, um, you know, as she said right there, you know, that Google's acting as a quasi state actor. And that's the part where they're overstepping their boundaries and getting into a situation where, uh, you know, essentially the government is regulating speech and, you know, obviously they're, they're doing this, you know, well, shouldn't Google be the one that you're suing? And, you know, the question, the answer to that is no, you know, Google's the one that banned all you guys. Um, and you know, this is the entity that we need to face head on, um, and, you know, get this changed. Uh, what are your guys' thoughts?
2: I agree we should go after Google just because, you know, like you said earlier, it's like they're just going to keep pointing the finger at each other. So it doesn't really matter, you know, one way or the other, except for the fact that Google is really the bad guy in all of this. Uh, As much as I want to, you know, be upset at the government for what they've done, the government's going to do what they're going to do. And they have a a much um, higher degree of probability that they will get away with it. Uh, But if we allow corporations to become the government, like it's starting to slowly creep into every single day, then we're all screwed. And that's why I think it's important to have this individual accountability be on the corporation and their decision making, because these algorithms need to be exposed. We have to have discovery. We have to get to the bottom of how they rig this stuff, because if we don't, they're just going to keep doing it. And uh, it's only going to get worse until all you see is Mr. Beast videos. And, you know, you're never going to be able to freaking have a conversation about anything because, you know, you're just going to be inundated with all this garbage and nonsense that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't uh, affect change societally except for the change that they want to see, which is us, you know, slogged in front of a computer, you know, uh, slurping McDonald's McFlurries while we, you know, slowly (laughs) die of diabetes and cancer. So I think, you know, there's some something to be said for this fight that has to be you know put forth for the people to see there has to be transparency sunlight's best disinfectant expose these people they're all incestuous relationships trust me if you look at Sergey Brin Susan Wojcicki, her sister, who was she married to? Oh, was it Sergey mm-hmm. Brin? Oh, let's let's go look behind the curtain at these little families that seem to run the whole world, and they convince us that we should be hating each other because of the you know color of our skin and the you know whatever it is. So I I I'm totally against that. I'm a Christian, obviously. I I'm all for Christ and God and putting that back to the equation, and then after that we have to expose the the evil that is on this world. It's like a cancer. You got to take it out.
8: Yep, very. My opinion is kind of an odd result, right? Because it, under your theory, Google really, really doesn't want to do this, but they just feel compelled to do it because of the government. So now we're going to, you know, add insult to injury and punish Google because the government made them, you know, to under your theory. And that just seems like an odd result. It seems like you would punish the government for for forcing Google to do something, not punish Google for being forced.
4: I, I see what you're saying, your Honor, um, but I would say that um that's not necessarily the conclusion we've played it into the alternative because until we look under the hood on this i don't know were they acting in partnership as susan okay, so would you at so
8: that for a second because that's what i think i mean that's what you actually think and that's what a lot of people think is that google actually wants to take this stuff down right is that google you know you know i suppose best case for you google's taking this stuff you know google's thankful for the government asking them to do it so they can kind of have a little bit of a reason to do it but if google wants to take this down you have a plausibility standard motion at the motion to dismiss stage right under Iqbal and Twombly That's so why funny. is it not equally plausible that i mean we have other cases that are challenging you know there's this national news that that these folks like google and and facebook that they are platforming platforming what you know deplatforming conservatives so i mean why is it not equally or more plausible that google just wants to take these folks down and wants to do it just before you know you say well wow, the timing suspect here but it's not suspect it's right before the election
4: well it's right before the election and it's right after the passage of HR 1154 that specifically yes. call it that specific kind of speech so I don't think it's plausible even though that's not a defense that was in the pleadings and again we have to go but if that
6: the- is what Google and these other platforms are doing I think a lot of people would agree with you that's problematic yes but is the fix this or is the fix some regulations that stop them from stomping on people
4: well i think and
6: until, and regulating content
4: until we know the answer we really have very little for anyone to go ahead and
0: pass a regulation we all so See, th- this um, is the thing it, it, there is all of this like circular logic that they have you know like oh you know why isn't it this or shouldn't it be this But there is no precedent because they don't allow us to to create any. Everything gets kicked out. Nobody wants to deal with any of the underlying issues, and everybody just keeps passing the buck. You know, I don't think that it's mutually exclusive, let – Perhaps Google decided that they wanted to delete certain types of content or that the government decided that they wanted to put pressure on them to do so or that there are some behind the scenes relationships going on. I mean, it's all happening at the exact same time, and it's just a perfect storm, a confluence of events that allowed for them to do what they wanted to do to support the type of speech they wanted to support and for the government to control the speech that was allowed on the Internet. Agreed. <laughs> so let's create the precedent. Yeah, the, allow it.
5: Well, but, but we do have the precedent with the, uh, precedent with the ban of books and other things. And I think it's the 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 good point that Jason said freedom of speech doesn't end when you go online. Mm-hmm. There isn't like this artificial line that freedom of speech stops. Those that same case law should apply.
0: Oh, I think you're right. I think you're right. But it just sounds like perhaps the judges uh, doubt whether or not it's actually applicable when it seems to me clearly that it is.
1: Can I? Okay, so. Yeah. Well, that's why she
0: said. Go ahead. I was was going to say say. that's why she
5: says we have such a good case if we do the on Bach hearing and we get more of the conservative judges or if we bump it up to the Supreme Court. We have a really good case there, too. Because and, and, that's why she said, right. it's, you know, it's Let's almost made the for it. But
2: here, I, I don't know. Excuse me, but the, the problem here is you have a bunch of septuagenarians like Chuck Grassley trying to dictate to us, like, oh, I'm going to fix all this. It's like, you don't even know how YouTube works. You, you couldn't even open a YouTube yeah, page if you yeah. tried. Yeah. And you're trying to tell us how we're going to regulate social media. These guys don't know what they're doing. And the people who do know what they're doing, either are nefarious and insidious and, and, you know, are in part of it, or they, they are just ignored and they're squashed and they, they don't have a voice in Congress because they're not in the little club that you got to be on to get on the K street bankroll to, you know, get your special interest group to support your campaign. And they, they don't matter enough. So let's just be honest about this. The whole, the whole thing's a joke, especially when you have these judges, you know, look at them, look at the average age on that bench. I mean, who knows what it is. It's probably like 65, maybe let's be honest here with the mm-hmm. two ladies. And you're you're trying to tell me that these are the guys who are going to understand the nuances of a, a digital communication and what it is in, in relation to like the print media, which they are. They they probably still get the New York Times, you know what I mean? They don't they don't use YouTube like we do. They don't understand the internet, its ubiquity, and how it's uh, an evolving landscape that's changing and that's so easily manipulated. And that once you catch them doing one crime, guess what? They just they just stop doing that crime, and then they create a new algorithm to commit another crime. So it's, right. like the, the, it's like you're basically chasing the goalposts here. They just keep shifting them around. You're like, oh, I'm going to sue you for this. And they're like, well, we don't do that anymore. We changed the algorithms. You're like, oh, great. Yep. Now I got to yep. sue you for
0: something else. Right, and then on top of that, you know, I mean, the 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 cost and the human capital that goes into getting us to the point that we're at right now. You're right, Sarah. I think we do have a great argument, and I that would be awesome if the Ombong panel solves it, or if we were able to get it to the Supreme Court to solve it as well. Uh, but I mean, that's a tremendous expense, and your average person who is also affected by this just simply doesn't have the time or the resources to get to this point. So again you know very important why we need help getting there because this does affect every single one of us
4: until we know Absolutely. the answer we really have very little for anyone to go ahead and pass a regulation we all know that many laws and regulations are born out of outcomes and cases and in this case i think that the public and we are all entitled to know exactly what happened between the passage of hr 1154 and how YouTube so, so
8: suddenly, let me ask you iran subsequently so on your, I I hear what you're saying, but what, how is this lawsuit going to help them? To Are you thinking that if you can get the Discovery or something, you can get emails from Nancy between Nancy Pelosi and the and the CEO of Google saying, let's do this or?
4: I mean, know. I think what we'll see what the internal machinations are. For instance, you're we talking about things that were up on the news. So last month, Zuckerberg testified that they got um, a directive from the FBI to take down anything related to Hunter Biden's laptop, right? And if you look at H.R. 1154, it's directing the but if, FBI. But if people didn't
8: want to do this, wouldn't Google's attorney, and we'll hear from her in a second, wouldn't she come up here and say, yeah, we really didn't want to do this either, but we were forced to do it, and you guys would be walking hand in hand.
4: Well, that would be great if this was a summary judgment motion and she was under oath or this was a trial, but she's not. But, this you know, can...
7: the, the other problem is even if
4: the House resolution had some
7: binding impact, which it doesn't, it doesn't seem to track your case because what you say, well, the FBI is directed to do something. Well, all well, the FBI is, it encourages them to con- strengthen their focus on preventing violence and threats and extremism. It's, 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 Nothing in here even talks about YouTube in the House resolution. So I'm, I'm seeing this kind of big disconnect so, between your reliance on the House resolution and what actually
2: like I, I talk I, about the YouTube <laughs> and um, right. you know, it's like, lady, you don't understand oh. what's going on. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Come on, right. Like
3: I, I, it's, it's just absolutely ridiculous how they're like, well, it didn't actually say, you know, red pill, 78 or Craig's or right, Sarah's or, right. or Jason's thing. So, it, it you know, let's give them a free pass and give them the full benefit of the doubt.
1: Okay, sure. Can I give you something that it's also kind of interesting? Um, they're missing something a big one, right? The FBI doesn't legislate. They're not legislators, right? So why are the legislate, why are FBI acting as legislators deciding what can't be said? Only legislation can do that, right? So realistically, um, you know, I I have to, you know, I I say things the way I think, you know, sometimes I disagree, you know, with some of the things that other people do. I think that they're right in part and wrong in, in another part part of this is, is that if they're taking away your life, liberty, or property, right, you're entitled to due process. Here, right. the United States is taking your property, your your um, your, your liberty through a third-party agent. That's, that's really what's happening. And Section 230 is what's allowing that to happen, okay? So if they're taking that, you're entitled to seek redress, and you can't seek redress. So if you go after Google, um, the government's essentially standing in your way. Well, that's actually protected by the constitution because if the government is protecting that action to seek redress they're violating your due process rights right so that now we've jumped to the 5th amendment from the 1st right but at the same time if the government is doing what it's doing right the fbi is essentially legislating it's it's making you know suggestions as to what to take down and then google's acting upon that the government's to blame too and that's why they're able to sort of point at each other and say, well, "Well, yeah, part of that's their fault, and part of that's their fault." But the big thing here is, is that what they're not getting is is that the government, if the government's involved in that action, the government has to be set aside, and you need to be ma- be able to move forward because the facts have to be, you know, in the uh, most favorable light of the plaintiff. So, if you're alleging that Google did something unlawfully, like you know, um, you had spoken earlier about tortious interference. That's what our claim was. Our mine was had nothing to do with politics, right? Mm. So everybody that's on here is like, oh, well, they're just right wing red pill, you know, guys. It's no, mine's just money. They took it for money. That's and right. And what we said is, is like, hey, look, they took it. The government stopped me from being able to seek redress against them because they're a private corporation acting against me unlawfully, and the government insulated their ability to take my property. In other words, that's an illegal taking from the government. So the government is to blame as well. And and that's sort of the position we're in right now, which is we sued Facebook. We took them all the way to the end. We lost. The government did its job. It protected everything that they, they did. And because of that, we now have the Article 3 standing to go after the government. You may be there. I mean, that's why you need the source, you know, the funding source, because this may be a lot longer than you think. Like I thought, oh, OK, I'm going to win this a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Nope. They they will throw everything in your path as much as it can. So the, you know, it takes a lot of help. You know, if people want us to get this done. You know, you need to help them. Um, I'm sure you understand that, Zach. I mean, it's yeah. this is a, this is an expensive war, and yes, they they know that
2: dot com slash defend free speech and you can make a donation and i have to make uh, i have to address one of your commenters uh zach real quick uh okay. d eight says i'm old and i have a youtube account just saying not all old people are tech literate <laughs> oh, of course to yeah. <laughs> everybody who is here who took that the wrong way and i, I think you're right and i i uh, i retract that comment and I will, um, I will say sorry for that. So I, Every, I love you all. Well, and I'm very sorry. Yeah, everybody knows.
0: Everybody knows these statements are not blanket. But I mean, it's you know, you, we got to throw in a little bit of humor and levity occasionally because it's a heavy subject. I mean, this is pretty much everything riding on it at this point. And uh, yes, and to to wow. your point, Jason, yeah, I mean, there was a, a time, you know, a couple of years ago where I thought, wow, we have such a good argument. This is going to work. You know, we're going to take it all the way to the bank and we're going to get our channels back and everything's going to be fine. And the longer yep. it goes on, uh, the less likely it appears. And uh, uh, the, the more that I allow myself to kind of just take a step back and remind myself that really, this is in God's hands at this point. You know, if, if we are meant to win, then we will, uh, but this is a, like an existential argument. Like free speech is absolute, and we cannot allow this to stand. Craig, go ahead.
2: Oh no, I was pointing to my God's oh, grace is greater. There creator. you go. So yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I was like, God's grace. I was going to focus on that. Yeah, yeah,
5: yeah. I was going to say I almost feel better about it now, and and I think Chris does too as we go farther along because hindsight is twenty twenty, and we have more details and. We, we have the evidence now to show, and the people are waking up, everybody, the judge saying that it's national news that the government's involved, mm-hmm. those kinds of things are important. Sure. That wasn't the consciousness back when we first did it, and they were still on to Section 230. Even the liberal judge, when she says that, she says, oh, what's a remedy? She pretty much agreed that this is a problem. that's not where they were at back then. So the the whole consciousness has shifted. So I think we're in a better spot. I I mean, it's still going to be expensive. It's still going to be grueling, but I think it's a lot better. And I'm also more worried about the younger people, not because the old people can't have YouTube channels because my parents do and everything else, but we're different. We didn't grow up with just the internet. And so we still can look at, things on paper you know the newspaper or we'll go to a news site the kids have a whole not i have kids that are in their young 20s and they have a whole nother world that they're in they their mm-hmm. online world is different and they grew up different and so what what's being fed to them that's is great. um this whole online narrative
2: that's what i was speaking it's, to it's their completely yeah. Was the yeah. You can't get There's it in a, a three-minute
0: TikTok video. It didn't happen. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, and don't get me wrong. I mean, I don't want anybody to think that I'm black-pilled. Uh, I have just gotten to the point where I have no expectations, uh, although uh, you know, I may have positive or negative feelings. I just allow myself to, to exist, essentially.
4: Yeah, answer my question. Where in the resolution? In the resolution, the House specifically identified... I put my glasses on for this. Conspiracy theories. In the very first line, uh, uh, in the second, uh, in, uh, ER 131, right. identified conspiracy theories in QAnon. In other words, it identified the specific speech that was the subject of this resolution, period. Okay. Then they use words about this kind of speech, urge, condemn, encourage, and so forth, words that are much stronger than the Supreme Court used in Blum. Then you look at the plaintiff's complaint, and they allege that they are the publishers of conspiracy theories, including um, conspiracy theories and QAnon. And you have then the immediately deplatforming of their content. So you have a direct link between the content that's identified in HR 1154 at ER 131 and the allegations made in plaintiff's complaint at paragraph 8 and so that's where you see the link. And, and the interesting thing is on, um, the District Court sort of mentioned the same thing, that there weren't enough facts about the plaintiff's content and identified that that was uh, a lacking of the complaint, that there should have been more detail. I'm just
7: assuming that all, this, that all the QAnon and the disputes over it, let's just assume they were alleged. I don't see how it
4: changes anything. Well, I guess that is for this court to decide. If the court's going to decide that government overreaching and interference into private conduct where there's a clear reaction that they, the private company essentially, as we allege, has done the government's bidding to uh, censor stuff that the government can't do directly, but they're using YouTube to do for them. I mean, if the government says that there's going to have to be a command or a regulation, I mean... Then we're creating a precedent for sure, because that's not what Blum versus Yuretsky said. That's not what Bantam said. That's not what any of the cases have said, that there has to be a command. There is no such command. and The district court absolutely got it wrong when you look at the.
3: Yeah. So um, and it looks like that got cut off a little bit. But, um, you know, uh, again, Google is using the government um, as sort of their shield. You can't sue us. Go go after this other this other entity.
2: Can I ask the question? Did I mean this is something I truly think after watching this again and again? Do these judges has the propaganda worked so well that they think like we're QAnon? Is that is that like <laughs> where this is? Because it's like it feels like they're like, they're like, you know, even if they aren't QAnon, you know, so you gotta get rid of that QAnon. I've heard he's a bad dude. And you're like, wait, what? And and so it's like, I don't know how this is working the way it is, where they're like, they're like, Oh yeah, you know, we gotta get rid of it. It's like I think they may think that we are QAnon, and and that's terrible.
1: Craig, let me inject something there. I don't think it has anything to do with that because the reality is it's every case. My case has nothing to do with politics, and yet they do the same thing to me. They've done it to every single – like anybody that comes through that court, they get these ridiculous answers that are just wrong. I mean some of them are wrong. So although you may be the the crazy conspiracy theorist, you know, like (laughs) I am too every now and again, but, you know. sometimes you got to be right in the world and of course a lot of that stuff comes true Mm -hmm. but i I don't think it entirely relies on that i wouldn't place it on that necessarily
2: i was being sort of facetious but yeah because at the same time you have to ask yourself like you know how are we where we are you know i tell my audience it's easier to just think of me as is it call me a conspiracy theorist? because then it's like then i don't have to worry about anything Mm -hmm. after that and you can take it with a grain of salt and believe it if you want but, you know, you watch these judges go back and forth, and you just get really, really worried about the future of our country when they're the ones making decisions. And I think that they are just overwhelmed by the way technology has surpassed the courts, you know, to a degree, and their their capability to, to legislate or to judicially um, decide, you know, court cases. Like we've said, you know, everything's hidden in the algorithm. Everything's hidden in yeah. in uh, discovery that we can't even get to in the first place. So that's kind of the the danger of all of this where we've landed. Um, but that's just my opinion.
3: And remember what Google said. Like they testified, we don't apply any ideological filter on the channels that we have. Like they're they you know affirmatively um, you know stated that they don't um, you know judge. And this sort of content for its political basis but that's exactly what they did mm-hmm.
1: you know in this they case lied. Yeah.
2: they lied it's fraud, and, it's fraud. Right? when they changed and, their slogan from don't be evil i was a little worried <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: that, that's why we brought uh, the fraud aspect is because facebook told everybody uh we're a platform for all ideas of course unless they don't agree with your ideas and then then you're gone mm-hmm. i mean it, that was just fraud it's <laughs> a lie
2: it was like Quite they changed the slogan from don't be evil to don't get caught. I think that's yeah. really when I started like, oh, a you little know, problem. here. <laughs> oh,
0: uh, you guys, we're going to have to be wrapping it up here uh, in just a few minutes. We're going on uh, five hours. Well, I am going on five hours of being on the air and I'm starting to f- fail just a little bit. My uh, <laughs> my brain is starting to twitch. My mouth is getting really dry, but. Uh, I need to say thank you to Fred Awakening over on Rumble. He says, I would like to advertise on your site, Zach. I'm releasing a new line of sleep aids featuring melatonin-infused almonds, cashews, and pistachios. They're called Dozenuts also
1: (laughs) you had me until i got to the
0: name but thank you very much for the support i appreciate it i'm stealing that idea if that's That's a good one it's a good one let let me see if we've got any questions over on uh the foxhole lori liberty thank you for that can navy vet he says i love you bro i'm feeling much better in texas i'm texas bound next week Patriot birds (laughs) and guests are muted. That was from the beginning of the show. J two dank Thank you for the cookie. Just Josie going forward. I will describe you with cookies. Tenacious. Uh, Low country. Brooklyn says, uh, don't forget to help us with our Google YouTube suit. Give send go forward slash defending free speech. Make sure that I N G slug trail. Thank you for the cookie. Liberty bells says, thank you. Red pill for your hard work. And I love you. Kaboomer. Thank you for the cookie. Okay. So no specific questions. All right, guys. So, um, you know, Sarah, I like your attitude. Uh, I think you're right. This is probably going to go uh, beyond the uh, the current court that we're in right now. I don't doubt that. Uh, I think that our chances once we get to the Supreme Court are probably going to be much better, uh, especially considering the existing precedent that was already created in the Supreme Court. Uh, I think that they're probably the only ones that can, um, you know, truthfully understand I- exactly what we're facing here and, you uh, the type of uh, of threats that were made, you know, at, at some point, you, the government can't continue to just blame YouTube and the YouTube just can't continue to blame the government. I mean, there, there is, That's there is right. a nexus there and this is going to have to be resolved at some point. So I hope that it comes soon, but uh, you know, I'll take it as it does.
3: We're going to keep on fighting until it does. Like, this is a long-term fight. We've been at this Absolutely. for two years now, right? Like it's, uh, it's October. It's literally been two years and you know i set out on <laughs> like, this Jason's case like
2: two years you guys are rookies
1: <laughs> <laughs> i'm going to, i'm probably going to at least be a decade into this thing by the time i'm done oh. mm-hmm. if, like, <laughs> where,
2: uh, james franco's at the gallows it's like your first time you're like yeah, yeah
1: but it, it is it is a very long fight though and, and zach just be prepared man this is going to be yeah but I, i'm there for you anytime you need me you know i'll, I'll give you know I want to see you guys succeed. I want to see somebody succeed. I mean, somebody's got to knock these guys down because we all know this is ridiculous. The government gives them the power to take our speech away and then says, oh, it's not our fault, it's their fault. And they say, oh, it's not our fault, it's their fault. Just tired of it.
2: And since we have you on, uh, uh, Jason, thank you, Zach, for hosting this whole thing. But I just want to say one thing that um, I saw you two years ago, I think at American Priority Conference when I heard about your story and it was right when all this was happening to us. And it was your story that gave me hope that we could do this. So thank you for that. And I, I'm praying for you as well, that you're going to win because uh, we all got to We all got to stick together on it. So thank you, Jason for that. Cause I remember listening to your story Amen. and thinking, man, it was so powerful. It moved me. I never forgot it from the time I sat in on that talk and heard you say it.
1: Yeah. The biggest thing is guys don't give up like, and your audience help them out. This is, this is insanely hard, mm-hmm. you know, and, and we don't get any help. I mean, cause you know, just a quick, quick little story, real quick. I stood on the Capitol steps and announced, you know, our constitutional challenge with, with a congressman, and none of the media reported it. We don't get attention. <laughs> we don't get help. Mm-hmm. Like, it just doesn't happen. Why? Because we're doing the job. These are the guys, like all these guys here, man. I got to commend you. It's a hard fight. Stay yep. in it. Keep going.
3: And we're personally invested in this, um, Sarah. Um, you've you've put a tremendous amount of resources into this, not just time into creating this gift sango and the constant fundraising that you're doing, but you also put a huge amount of your own money into this case. And so I, I think we should just give Sarah like a round of applause, you know, for, for what she's done to take this torch and pass it on to the next thing. So, Sarah, like, you know, uh, you know, the constitution, not just Every single American, the Constitution itself owes you a debt of gratitude for uh, what you've done to uh, fight for all of our rights for free speech. And, you know, we're we're going to we're going to back you up and we're going to make sure that you can continue the fight. So thank you so much, Sarah, for all the hard work that you've done to keep this case going.
2: Yeah. Thank you. Sarah. Thank you. Zach. Yeah, thank you
5: sir. I appreciate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate everybody's in on this to- together. Because, um, you know, I, I'm fighting for my kids and for them and the next generation, because what are we going to leave them? Yep. You know, what, this is not acceptable. We can't leave them this. And this is our generation. It's our stewardship right now. And we can't leave it to them. Right?
7: Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
3: That's Very the true. only reason I do it's it. Just,
5: it's our watch. We yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you, Zach, for having us on.
1: Thank you for having, having me on, Zach. Absolutely. I
0: I appreciate all of you. Thank you very much for your individual efforts and for the collective fight that we continue to engage in. Uh, If I, if I could, if you would just everybody tell the audience where they can find you, let's start with, uh, with Craig up there.
2: Oh yeah. Uh, Please come find me. Uh, If you like Zach's content, I'm sure you'll love mine. Uh, It's on rumble at just informed talk. Uh, I put a link in the chat for everybody on rumble. I'm on Fox at the same channel. Um, I'm on bit shoot at the same channel. So wherever you want to find me, that's cool. Uh, just come, come by, check out a show. And, uh, maybe, uh, one day I'll, I'll have Zach on my show. I've talked to him about it and I'd love to have him as a guest. So maybe we'll get, we've, we've had Zach for, he's on several times. Uh, he's always a great guest and, uh, Jason, maybe we'll get you on one day. And, uh, you know, I, and Sarah, you're great too. So hopefully we'll get everybody on, but thank you for doing that. just check me out. Just form talk rumble. That's all I got. Thank you though. Thank you for having me on Zach. Appreciate it.
0: Anytime, brother, we'll stay in touch and we'll make it happen. Sarah, if you would, please, one more time.
5: Yes, sarahwestell.com. And then I'm on BitChute and Rumble and all over the place just under my name. So sarahwestell.com. And then you can, I have a news site there going too. So uh, I write articles as well. And um, it's helping to get a lot more traffic to what I do. But, you know, after all this, I just, I feel a passion to get into more hardcore journalism that is so lacking. It's so incredible. It's not hard to be kind of good at journalism right now.
4: No, it's a
2: pretty low funny bar. Doing
0: it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly
2: One lemon's right. the bar. We're we're doing great. Oh, we're doing great.
0: Yeah. yeah, Pulitzers all around should be. Anyways, uh, all right, and, and and Jason, you as well, sir.
1: I, uh, I would say socialmediafreedom.org uh, is our site, uh, Social Media Freedom Foundation. Uh, i probably actually uh, invite you all down. We're planning uh, an event in February uh, around Internet equality. Um we're partnering up with uh, ALX Events, and uh, we're we're looking to put on. It's either going to be we haven't set a date yet, but we either think in February or May. But uh, you know, if people want to understand Section 230 a, a little bit better, if you go to socialmediafreedom.org, we've got a lot of stuff that we've we've written in there because we've been at this for a long time. You know, kind of gives you a different perspective. Um, I just recently had a. Had an article, uh, an op-ed article published in human events that finally explains the platform versus publisher issue mm-hmm. and why it's so confusing. And I kind of put it in a way that most people can understand it. Um, but yeah, socialmediafreedom.org. Um, thanks again, Zach, for having me on. I, uh, you know, I know we're running concurrent things, but man, I'm right behind you. Anytime you need my help, you know, Sarah, Craig, you know, red pill, anything you need, man. Like, I, I just want to see this done. That's all mm-hmm. I care about. Appreciate it. Exactly. Yeah.
0: We're, exact same boat, exact same boat. I am ho- I just want to see somebody when it's time that uh, we gave Google a black eye per the punch Google that we used to be known as. Okay, and of course, Zach Voorhees, finally. Tell everybody where they can find you. Perpetual Maniac. Um,
3: yeah, uh, twitter.com slash perpetual maniac. Uh, it was my gamer tag, became my 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 everything tag. Um, if you want to know how uh, Google censorship works in their AI, Uh, tool called machine learning fairness then please come to my website zachvorhees.com where you can see how the sausage is made if you're looking for the best place for news on the internet 24 7 where you can see all the guests here uh, and more then um, check out blast.video it's not.com it's not.net it's blast.video it it Scans, YouTube, BitChute, Rumble, Bridey on Gap TV for the influencers that you're Sorry. watching every day anyways, combines it into one single website. It's the best place for news on the internet 24-7. And if it's not, then I'm going to find the place that's better. And I'm going to scrape their content because that's essentially what I am. Um, I've also got uh, one last thing. Uh, we've got a social media network coming out uh, I'm working on um, called Walkaway with uh, Brandon Straka. Um, yeah, I, I came on the project, uh, we're, we're getting it launched. It's going to be absolutely amazing and, uh, and check it out, uh, when it launches in about a month or so, uh, after the midterms.
0: Okay. Excellent. Looking forward to it. Two final thank yous over on Odyssey. TZ Burton says just a small appreciation for all you do. I really appreciate that. And then over on buy me a coffee. Tilly said, Zach, sorry. It's been a while. Keep up the great work. I always look forward to your videos. Thank you. And please buy, muffin and chi chi some treats i certainly will they'll appreciate it i passed out the gold pills over on foxhole thank you to everybody hanging out with us on all the various platforms as soon as this stream is over i'm going to isolate this portion of the show and i'm going to put it out on a separate video so if you want to share it if you want to tell people about our efforts if you want to help us support this lawsuit then please consider sharing this on all of your social media platforms and thank you very much to all of you for being here i really appreciate it to you at home Good luck and God bless. I will see you on Monday.